Welcome back to Women of AV Poly. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm her perennially spicy co-host, Kathleen Smith, (laughs) aka Kiki Planet. And we are, this is actually our second recording this week, Kathleen. I know, we're on the ball. We are. And considering what kind of week it's been, yay for us. Right? I feel so accomplished. I know. And we also, you know, we're looking a little bit uh, more with it today than we were last night. So today we have with us Jaluta Datis and Sadia Khan from Ubuntu, Alberta. We, we can fill in the space for you. Yeah. Ubuntu. <laughs> Ubuntu, mobilizing central Alberta. Yes. Okay. I was like, I was going to say .com and I'm like, that's no, that's <laughs> not the part that needs to be in there, but you can find them at Ubuntu, Alberta.com, and that's U-B-U-N-T-U, Alberta, written out.com. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so for having much. us. Yeah. Mm. And so we spent a little bit of time getting to know each other beforehand. I'm, I, I noted at least twice that I should have been recording because we did talk about some good stuff. But let's, let's start again with where we're joining each other from. So I'm still out in Strathmore. And I'm still behind the orange wall in lovely Edmonton, Alberta. I am in the beautiful city of Lacombe. And I am in the amazing city of Red Deer, Treaty 6 and 7. I'm on the Treaty 6 side. Yeah, I'm on the Treaty 7 side. I guess let's start with how did you two, how did you two meet was it, was it with this idea or was it before this idea? What happened with that? I like Sadia's version better. So she, I'll let her. Okay. I'm, I'm like, which version am I going to talk about today? <laughs> so um, I'll talk about the one that comes to my mind, really. We've known each other outside of Ubuntu, a mobilizing central Alberta. Um, we would be together in spaces um, that were having these tough and hard conversations and we would just see each other in the room uh, most of the time just only two racialized women and mostly it was in red deer um, and we would just kind of gravitate towards each other um, when Jalitha would ask a question I would do a follow-up and vice versa um, and then after I loved our side conversations where we would, uh, we would actually have the honest conversation of <laughs> what just happened or what went down and what was that about um, so that's really how our um, relationship started and it has really evolved over time. We have created the platform now uh, known as Ubuntu Mobilizing Central Alberta and honestly we love our side conversations. We still we still do have them. Yeah yes. But yeah that's how that's how we met. We kept bumping into each other at events um, and usually we were the only um, people of color and women of color. And so we would just see each other across the room and be like, oh, I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we kept bumping into each other into events, more events, more events. And so then we changed, um, exchanged contact information and made plans to be at more of these events. And eventually now we're like two peas in a pod, like sisters, like best friends, partners, you know, everything. So it's, it's, it's such an amazing relationship now. I love what you said there. I see you. Because that's so layered. There's so many different layers to that, right? There's I see you, but there's also I see you and recognize you and 
So I love that you yeah. put it that way. Yeah. And it really started with a smile and, and that gentle nod you would do to each other. And, and, and like I said, it evolved into, okay, we're going to sit together, but hey, this event is coming up and, and so on. Let's show up. And she, let me just say that she's the pusher of the two of us. Like I would just show up and she would be like, okay, you need to ask this question. You need to do this. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it was, but it was such a comforting thing, right? To have someone not take the spotlight, but say, okay, I, I'm going to push you just a little bit. I'm going to nudge you because I see, I see the potential. I see what you can do and to do that. And so it gave me the, the, the comfort in knowing that someone was supporting me to do this. And so, yeah, that, this is what we do. We feed off each other. And over Zoom, even now, I text her, I'm like, speak up. You need to say something. <laughs> and, and vice versa, we still do that to each other. And, and what really that started was before, prior to COVID, it, it wasn't just one person. It, it requires a lot of energy when you speak up and say things. And a lot of time, you're like, should I say something? So when yeah. it's two of us, it just does not fall on, on one of us. Yeah. So we yeah. share that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. I, I love it. it. So what types of events are you talking about? Were there specific types or anything to do community related, community related, but a lot of um, social, social justice called social justice things or legal, legal events as well. Anything to do with racism, the justice system, all of that. Um, in central Alberta, it's, 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 it was a very closed circle, I, we found. And there was very little to no engagement from other people in the community. And so we would end up being the only ones there. And most of the time it was because marketing wasn't targeting people who look like us. But we're the nosy people who are always <laughs> engaged. So we would still find out these things and just show up, right? Okay. And so, and that's how that developed. So when did you start and is it, is it assisting in mobilizing people who need to be part of these conversations into the room? I think so. Well, absolutely. Yeah. No, Ubuntu was, has been in works for years um, and it actually came to inception about a few months back. So Ubuntu oh. mobilizing Central Alberta itself is a bit of a baby, but we are not to this work. Yeah. We really created and um, identified there was a huge gap in the community and we needed to create this platform. Um, and especially being two women of color taking on that leadership role um, was really important to us. Mm-hmm. So um, Ubuntu's work, um, the work that we do, we've been doing it for by default. Yeah, <laughs> really. all our lives. Yeah, all of our lives in many, many spaces. But then it was really important for us to create that platform for ourselves where we weren't, you know, had to go through the red tape or am I doing this? Okay, we do our work with passion, um, with really the guidelines that we have set for ourselves that we want to work in. So mobilizing central Alberta is kind of a, a big phrase that could mean a lot. Yeah. What are your specific objectives and how are you going about achieving those objectives that's a good question so this is going to be our our elevator pitch so Mm -hmm. for many and I don't know how how people if people recognize this but for many resources personnel events 
it doesn't exist in central Alberta. There's not a hub for it. And so for a lot of things, especially for people of color, it has to be Edmonton or Calgary. Black History Month events this year, it's Edmonton or Calgary, but we created a virtual one this year. When we're talking about gender and sexuality, it's Edmonton or Calgary. When we're talking about um, community, like where you can come and see Black people and Asians and everyone just together, it's Edmonton or Calgary. There isn't that space. Legal, it's Edmonton or Calgary. If you're looking for a Black lawyer, if you're looking for a Black doctor, if you're looking for a Black social worker, like people to be able to just reach out to, people will always recommend Edmonton or Calgary. And what we wanted to do was to change that. We wanted to, that we didn't have to travel to those places or connect with people from those places, but to bring that here. Mm -hmm. So where we were mobilizing community advocates and and activists, where we were mobilizing black social justice um, people, where we were looking at social workers and mental health professionals and nurses and doctors. And like, so when people say, Hey, where can I find this? We can point them here as opposed to Edmonton or Calgary. The conversation is another thing, too, because prior to that, people would speak on behalf of the community with no community presence. So we would be discussing racism and there would be no diversity on that panel. We would be talking about um, the justice system and there would be maybe one um, representative from the indigenous community and nobody else. And we were like, we have to change this. We wanted to, we want to see indigenous. We want to see BIPOC. We want to see people with disabilities. We want to see the LGBTQ community. And so what we've done is literally in everything that we do to look around us and see, okay, who's missing in this conversation Mm -hmm. in everything that we do. And that's what I think we've done. We've managed to do best because even last year with some of the rallies, we were like, we're not speaking up unless there's somebody standing beside us. Like we, we know that this is Black Lives Matter, but we also want to talk about missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And we also yeah. want to talk about gay rights. And we want to talk about these things because we know how it felt like to have other people speak on our behalf and not be up there. A, a really good point and something I've tried to focus on, especially over the last six months, and that is our responsibility as white women in amplifying the voices of women of color. And I see too often, especially online, that um, my peers tend to think amplification requires them to add their own thoughts. It doesn't. You (laughs) You don't have to add anything. Just give it a retweet. Just give it a share. I, I also see, um, a lot of, a lot of well-meaning white women who want to get involved and want to volunteer, but aren't willing to bypass sitting on a panel, uh, writing for a major publication. You know, we, we have a choice if we're really trying to amplify the, the voices of women of color. Our choice is to say, I'm going to turn down this opportunity. I'm going to sit this one out or before you actually sit on the panel to ask the hosts, okay, are LGBTQ2 people represented on this panel? Is there an indigenous voice? Are there women of color? Because too often 
where we get so excited to amplify voices that we amplify our, we're amplifying our own. Right. <laughs> so that's why I'm so interested in, in the work you're doing in your areas and what results you're seeing from that. And, you know, Kathleen, I'll go back to quickly. It's past the mic. Yes. Right? And it's it's simple as that. But what Jalita was saying about mobilizing, really, when you introduced us as Ubuntu, mobilizing Central Alberta, the philosophy of, of Ubuntu is what we keep at the forefront at um, any project that we take on, any conversation that we take on. And really, Ubuntu philosophy means I am because you are. What affects one affects us all. So you talk about amplifying women of color our success is interconnected with yours, right? Mm -hmm. One is not without the other. Um, so any, any work that we do, and, and when we talk about mobilization, we do it in a kind, in a safe, in a brave way where we go in and have those conversations in central Alberta and we say, see us, we are here, we're two women in this leadership role, and we're doing this, you know, challenging work at times as well. So, um, and then another thing that comes to my mind, Kathleen, is about allyship, right? And it's really important to have the conversation. Well, allyship really means you come and stand beside us. It does not mean that I'm just going to tell you this is how we have been doing things and this is what your success will look like. Really, it means um, just standing beside me um, and holding my hands at times and saying, you got this. I remember at the Women's March that we did last year, um, yeah. We were intentional. This was before Ubuntu was official. We were intentional in saying, okay, we're going to plan this, but we're not going to be the speakers. And so we brought in other people to tell their stories. And, and afterwards, there was someone who came up to me and she was highly upset. She was so upset. She was an Indigenous lady. And she said, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. Um, and she was, she was, she was hurt. So she was speaking out of hurt, but I had to check myself and say, okay, this is her moment. Not to be like, well, we tried and we did this and we did that, but to just listen. And she said, I want to know why are some black women so mean to us? There were so many thoughts that were going through my mind and saying, well, I'm not mean. And, you know, <laughs> and I was like, but that would be playing the other role. And, and I had to give her her 15 minutes that she was looking for to just right. rant and to say what yeah. was hurting, what she needed to see, what she wanted for me to say. And she said, we, we just, we're looking for community and, mm -hmm. and we love your songs. And so when you see us at the club, don't push us away, but come and ask us to dance. And, it, it, and I made her a promise and I said, okay, I am going to speak to my community women and we're going to make this happen. Like we're going to have our own conversations to push that. And Sadia had conversations, side conversations with other people. And we we're like, okay, we're going to promise that this is what we're going to do from this day forward. Because people are hurting and they just want to be heard. Yeah. They yeah, don't want people to offer advice. Just want to be heard. And that's been the biggest lesson for me, especially over the last couple of years, that it's not about talking. It's not about putting on a big show or being the biggest hero online. If we want to do better, it's really about, as yeah. my hero, Judge Judy says, put on your <laughs> listening ears. ears. You're not listening. <laughs> 
but that's yeah. been a big yes. listening, a big experience yeah. for me, a big learning experience. And it's helped me to develop a better understanding, you know, mm-hmm. to just shut up and listen every now and then, because I'm a talker and I'm a horrible <laughs> interrupter. Heaven knows I can be so defensive, insecure and defensive about yeah. stuff, which is yeah. not a good starting position when when you're attempting to do better as a human being. But I think, Kathleen, what you do that's different that a lot of people do is you're willing to admit that. Mm-hmm. And I can work and have conversations with people who admit, who admit those things. Right. But it's when people say, well, I'm doing my best and I Mm -hmm. am as amazing as I say I am, that it shuts down the conversation. Right. So you, you're allowed to be defensive and to say, you know, I'm just trying and cry, but it's when that supersedes what I'm trying to say. Yes. That changes the dynamic. And that requires humbleness, right? And that requires listening. And I, I am like that too. And and to put that into practice is so much different than saying, I'm just going to put on my listening ears and just listen. So it really, <laughs> it, it requires a lot of patience and it requires a lot of, you know what, this, I'm going to practice this. And putting that in practice is not always easy. Well, it requires us also to um, to admit we don't know everything, which has taken me a few years to, but I think it also requires us to stop taking everything so personally, right? Like it's not about me personally. It's about your experience and me trying to understand that experience. I'm never going to have your lived experience. Learning to accept that because of that, I can't know everything you face. I can't know the walls that have been built and how how hard you have to work to tear them down. And I should be more focused on not being a brick in one of those walls. Absolutely. And, you know, I have really um, started to work on that actively sitting around elders. When you sit around elders and when you sit in those sharing circles, you learn so much um, and you see so much. Um, and these elders who are knowledge keepers, they teach us so much um, as well. So for me, it's, it's whichever circle that I sit in, I extract that and, and, and try to apply that to my own learnings and growing as well. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. When, you, when you're sitting with a Kokum who's telling you a story, you have to give the time right? And the focus. So it, it, it forces us to be mindful and to be intentional. Of, this is what we're doing. And this is why we're here. So it's a different space. And, and we, we've mm-hmm. had to learn how to navigate that, that space. Well, and I mean, when we started Women of AB Poly, it was absolutely a random thing that came up on Twitter that somebody said, why don't you do this? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. okay, I'll try it. And Kathleen got back to me within a week and said, I want to do this. I want to do this all the time. Let's do this. It was, has changed the way that I view things. Like I was raised by, I was, my mom was, she was one of those pioneers in the trades, right? She was a heavy duty partsman. She, she raised me with these, you can do anything. You can, you know, like just being a woman isn't, isn't something that, that should hold you back in anything. But at the same time, I didn't bang the drum ever. 
I, that was not something that I ever really went forward with. In fact, I actually shied away from it. And I was like, I will never, ever go into a male dominated, like employment industry ever, because <laughs> what she told me was just awful. The horrors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, she, I remember her telling me she has to work twice as hard. She has to ask for less help. She can't get anything wrong because if she does, it's because she's a woman and she shouldn't be doing this job. And I was like, ew, why would I want, like, why would I purposely put myself in that position? Yet, look at me now. Now I'm like, sure, I'll go into this completely male dominated uh, industry of people talking about politics. Yeah. And, but the thing is that these conversations that we've been having turned the way that I'm looking at things around. And I am. I feel like I'm listening more to people, well, especially to women and their lived experiences, but I'm also changing my lens. I'm noticing things that I purposely didn't notice before, right? And it is, I mean, that's why I wanted to continue with these conversations too. We're in a, we're raised in particular ways and that could be your family, that could be your education, that could be uh, your peer influences. Like there's there's so many things that help shape that view. You don't realize what you don't know, yeah. right? Which is one of the most difficult things. And, and I always say too, like, I want people to learn things from listening to our podcast, all yeah. of my versions of them. Um, <laughs> like I wanted to, I wanted that to be part of it. I'm amazed at how much I don't know, right? And how much I'm learning through these conversations. Are you, I guess, like, for me, it's, it's empowering. It's also sad because you realize how much the world is actually not the way that you hoped it was. Not even close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like not yeah. like I, um, interesting that you, interesting that you said that, um, in, in going into as a woman into these male dominated fields, add on to that being a woman of color or add on to that being a woman who's Muslim or who wears a hijab or any other covering, um, add to that someone who's queer and all of that, who's an immigrant, whose first language is not English or who, who speaks with um, quote unquote accent, right? Mm-hmm. And now just imagine how much that compounds, like all of that at work, at school, in the community, because you're expected to to be perfection above perfection because if you make a mistake it's going to be it's because of her accent if you say if you mispronounce a word if you misspell a word if you say the wrong word it, her accent is so heavy it's so thick you know or as a black woman if you were to say hey can we do this this way or then it's oh she's the angry woman Yes. <laughs> and we get that. Like I and that. I yeah. and it, it drives me last week, last within last week, I think it was last week, like twice. Like I cried. We had to call each other and I I I shed tears because I was simply saying, Hey, when it comes to my community, I think we would rather see it if it was done this way. And here's why. And it was as if I like I punched somebody in the face. Yeah. Now you're the angry black woman, yeah. right? That's and, right. Instead and of hearing what poli- you have yeah. to say. And we told yeah. police because I'm like, okay. Tone police. Yeah. We have yeah. to like bring 
um, our voices yeah. down, our face, <laughs> like all everything so that these people will be comfortable and not feel threatened. The that's, smile. That's, smile when you say that. Yeah, it's unfathomable to me because I, I'm a 53-year-old woman who goes online and says whatever the hell I want to say when I say it. I yeah. make no apologies for it, but you know, no one asks me to either. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of the difference between how I, as a feminist white lady, experience the world and how the two of you experience it. Like if, if I do something stupid or I screw up or I'm too foul online, it's just Kiki Planet going yep. off. Yep. It's not all white women yep. are crazy, yep. emotional hags, yep. right? Yeah. No, I, I think don't... I've heard that yep. before, Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like Jalisa said, we get up every morning and we have to perform 150 to 200 percent. You know, we're women. We're also racialized women as well. So we have to work as I don't even know how much times harder uh, just to be heard. And when we talk about tone policing, people are like, well, what's tone policing? Well, you know what? Stop paying attention to my anger and listen to the message. Um, There is hurt and there, there is trauma that's involved. And, and that's why I'm feeling what I'm feeling as well. So um, it, it's not easy, but we hold each other. We hold our space together and we give each other that space. And that's why we're so happy that there's two of us in this journey, yeah. not just one, because it's not really doable. Um, and, and talking about accent, we've had long, long days and we would be draw, driving home. And uh, Jalisa's like, I can't understand what you're saying. I'm like, that's because my accent <laughs> is coming accent out. Comes out. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I just English is just not coming as easily to me right now, and that's a real thing. It it has happened, so I'm like, I'm just going to just, just stop, or just try to understand what I'm saying. But she'll say, "What's that word?" What's I'm like, I don't know. Like I don't know. And she's like, you know, and I'm like, no. no. Like it's so, and it's both of us because my West Indian accent comes out, and I drop my ths and my and like it's 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 like being from the Bahamas again. And so both of us get each other going. And so we're like, okay, take a deep breath. Take a deep yeah. breath. Quiet coyote. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Well, it I think we have to recognize, too, that there is productive anger and yeah. toxic anger, yep. right? And if, exactly. if we're experiencing that anger that motivates us, that justified anger, then that's a good thing. Because yeah. anger often is what motivates us to drive change. We can't Absolutely. be angry. We can't. We, yes. You know, it's for us. It's like, okay, let's turn it into, we're going to work even harder. If someone yeah. said you can't be in the, we're going to be in that space. If someone says you can't do this and they're standing on the sidelines, we're going to make it happen. So really for us, those conversations have been, okay, I'm feeling something. Let's name it yeah. and, and let's make it into uh, positive. But at the same time, let's just make it happen. Yeah. And let's, let's do what they, what they, we, we'll do what they told us we could not do. I love that. We'll do what they told us. Uh, yeah. We like, could not and do. that's, then we, that's, that's what fuels us a lot of times. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh no, this isn't possible. And we're like, okay, fine. 
watch us do it and like three o'clock yes. in the morning we're <laughs> watch us be here we will be here and and yeah. you know my favorite quote is we are the ones we've been waiting for yeah. um and we have to do this work in a really good way because there are women who look like us and they're mm-hmm. seeing us and they want to be part of this so we have to hold that space at, at at that level at that degree but at the same time we have to do it in a very good way so yeah. then they see themselves in us uh, and that's a huge responsibility as well um, and and one of the mandate and, and the what we strive to do at Ubuntu is to work with women of color um, you know I am a woman of color Jalitha is and we know how hard it is but I wish we had these support systems when I was growing up and when my parents migrated and I'm like I wish someone had told me this so we want to create that space and we have in our community where we have these young, amazing women coming to us and saying, we want to be part of this. What does this look like? And we're like, okay, let's make it happen. So we're, we're so humbled uh, and by the work that we're doing. And at the same time, being very mindful and aware of that, we're just creating this path for these young women and these young people. So since you brought up the actual work, Let's discuss policy for a bit. Let's discuss what you said the P word, the P word. (laughs) Let's let's discuss what, what specific areas of focus focusing on and what you hope to come about from that or what you're pushing forward in terms of policy. So we, um, I like to say we do three things. That is, one is we facilitate the difficult community conversations. So we are the ones who go to Innisfail and say, okay, let's chat, right? Like we, we'll take that on. We have the heavy conversations. Um, we have the conversations between local police and, and community members. Um, we have talks within our own communities with anti-Indigenous racism, yeah. anti-Asian racism. So we have those difficult community conversations. The other thing we do as well is be present. And, and people say, well, that's not policy. But if we're not there, our voices are not added. Nice. Our faces are not seen and our stories are not heard. So whether we want to or not, we have to show up time and time and time again at difficult meetings and say, okay, we're here. See us and hear us. This is what we think a lot of people from our communities would look forward to. This is what you know, they would like, this is what they would like to see, this is what, what they would like to do. Um, so that's the second part. And then the other part is the hard work and that's um, yeah. training and facilitation, anti-racism, um, implicit bias, like those heavy things, as well as the whole local government and provincial government and federal government accountable that's yeah. right. to, to the promises that they've made as well as to get them to disperse some of the funds to us. So that's another layer to that. So it's, 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 it's a lot, but we're very strategic in how we, we do our work and who we work with. If you're willing to work with us, we will work with you. And oftentimes we'll just show up again to regular, in the words of Cardi B, regular, regular meetings, just this, because we're, if we don't show up, our faces are not there. Right. Absolutely. And, and and we don't want to leave that void space where the policymakers are, well, they didn't show up. Yeah. 
So we're just going to make these policies that affect the communities that we are going to roll them into. We don't want that. So we yeah. make sure that we keep showing up where the policymakers don't have that space to say, well, there was you know nobody what? there. We, we, we invited them, but nobody yeah. showed up. Yeah. Well, we showed up and we will ask those hard questions. And so, we also bring in other people from our communities because we're saying we're not the I'm not the only black woman in central Alberta and Sadia is not the only um, brown woman in central Alberta. So people um, we we get called for interviews and things and we're like, OK, nope, you can call this person. You can talk to this person. Absolutely. Their differs than ours. Um, talk to these students. Talk to these people, because if we don't do that, if something happens to either of us, then what happens to the work? Right. And well, so absolutely. that's mobilizing. Yeah. What advice would you give to them? Yeah, for sure. I, what I would say is show up and, and, and show up at every platform when it comes to uh, municipal engagement, show up and make the time. And, and a lot of times it's not easy because my parents, when they came, you know, dad's got to work and mom is not speaking the language. Um, but find that community um, and show up to that community that directly affects the community when it comes to policy making and especially when the conversations are about the community so it requires a lot um, take turns in doing that within your own you know one day so and so will go and the second but just be there be part of the conversation because I always say if you're not going to be part of the solution you actually can't really stand on the sidelines and complain about it so that's what I would say it, it's it's keep showing up and keep being there and keep asking the hard questions. I would say to read, go to your library and read. And I'm not just talking about reading books about racism or how to be anti-racist, but just read books about black people doing black things, brown people doing brown things, women doing woman things, you know, just people living life. Because I feel as if a lot of people don't know enough about each other. And so we assume. Mm -hmm. And with that assumption comes a lot of misunderstanding, miscommunication. And because it's Black History Month, like it has all blurred into one. There's an amazing book by Baratunde Thurston. And it's called How to Be Black. It's, it's a hilarious book because, because he talks about being the only Black person at school, at work in the media, in politics, right? The only Black person camping or the only Black person at a swimming pool and questions that people ask. It's an amazing book because it talks about um, not tokenizing us, who we are, and why, why is it that when something happens in a Black community that the media has one Black person that they will call to speak on behalf of that event. Yes. So um, yes. I would recommend that book. Again, it's called How to Be Black. And then the other one, because we are on Indigenous lands, it's called These Mountains Are Our Sacred Places. It's by Chief John Snow, Tony, Nakota people. I know his son, his son, Tony, who is amazing. Um, I think every, everyone who lives on Treaty 7 territory should read this book because it puts things into perspective of how we got here and where where we came from like as the land it has been guiding me it's it's a it's a difficult read because it makes me question um my role on being on this land and how to make things better and how to be better connected to the indigenous community so those are my two things to go do read books about um about BIPOC 
that is by BIPOC, written for BIPOC, so that you can get another understanding of who we are. And yeah, be kind. Be and, kind. And, and, and for the community at large to recognize we're not monoliths. Exactly. Our communities are not monoliths. No. I am who I am. I am very much sister to what, who my sister is. Yeah. Right. So um, to keep that in mind and not to put the whole community in one box and say they're they're all like this. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Remember that we're we're not. We disagree on so many things. Allow us and allow us to be who we are outside of our skin color. And allow us that space and, and, you know, not to use examples like, well, this is what happens in your community. Yeah. Right. And that's another conversation we can have at another time, <laughs> but, um, but to know that. Thank you. So how do you avoid ideological takeover? How, oh, how have you been able <laughs> to avoid, Ugh. you know, quite often when, when we come together to work to further the good, we can end up hijacked by parties and party banners and goals that have nothing to do with what we're trying to achieve. So how do you avoid that pitfall? We say policy, not people. So we don't care who it is. Mm -hmm. um, It's policy. And last year, Sadi and I had this line, we would always say, who are your sources? Cite your sources, because we had so many people saying systemic racism does not exist in central Alberta. And it was from all across the divide, like all across the divide. And it didn't matter who the person was. We were like, okay, tell them to quote their sources. Like, let us know who from this community Mm -hmm. that they quoted in saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, We're nonpartisan, but I do think that we have a better working relationship with certain um, parties and people than others um, because they're more open. Right. Like some people you send an email and they're like, sure, let's have a conversation. And other people, you do not hear from them until, (laughs) you know, it's convenient or until it'll benefit them. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I live in Red Deer. So we have had the yellow vesters. We're still going since, you know, it's been over a year. And in the very beginning, I would just go and tell me more. I want to learn and going in from that point of view where they're trying to tell me and and they're saying, well, this is how it is. And this is how a certain community does this work. And they're trying to school me on Sharia law and Muslim women. And so I just listen. And, and then I go and I'm like, well, I am a Muslim woman and this is how we have done things. And I'm standing here right in front of you. Right. So um, it really determines where we are. But we always go in with in certain situations. Tell me more. How are you thinking about this? Where did you hear about that as well? So we have to be very mindful. What are we walking into and who are we having a conversation with? As well as with 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 the ideologies when it comes to politics Um, as a black woman, none of this was created for us or with us in mind. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter who it is, where it is, how it is. It's not for me. And so we always have to say, hey, remember us. Like we need to have a chat because nobody gets it right. And nobody even tries to get it right. And so we we are always thinking about not just for ourselves, because we have our biases, but for our community. Mm -hmm. Right. And what what are you going to do to benefit our community as a whole, as a collective, mm-hmm. as opposed to what are you going to do to benefit our organization or us 
Um, and we also recognize the different privileges. Like I identify as a Christian because my parents may listen to this podcast. So, <laughs> so, so I I'd seen this. <laughs> that was perfect. But the quote, are we getting those in? <laughs> you know, and, and so I have different privileges as opposed to some a black woman who is Muslim or someone who simply practices African spirituality or someone who is openly queer or a trans woman. And so when I am speaking, I'm not, I can't just speak for Jalita. I have to speak for so many others and their stories and what we talk when we're having conversations, as opposed to, okay, yeah, I'll give you this. So it's, that's how we um, look at it. That's how we approach politics. We always say it's policy, not people. We may not like you, but if we like your policy, we'll work with it. And we may like you, but if we don't like your policy, we're going to tell you we don't like your policy. And, and when we're asked for conversations, a lot of time, like Jalita said earlier, we would bring our community with us, whoever yes. that's available. <laughs> yeah. I am literally on the phone. I'm like, hey, are you available on this day? Come and join me. Yep. Because it cannot be just known as these two women. Yep. It has to be the collective. And yep. we work in that relationship piece, not in silos. Yes. So if, if you call me for something, I may show up with three more yeah. or Jalitha uh, will say Sadi you got to show up for this and vice versa it's yeah. not only going to be just one it's going to be two of us showing yeah. up yeah. and more it's fantastic yeah. that's how that's, that's how great we we bring our crew especially the young people too especially the young people we yeah. I don't know if you so now I'm considered older <laughs> I don't know what that means but I thought I was a young person but now I'm older um and some of our ideas the young people who are 16 and 17, when we're saying things, they're like, no. And so we have to move and give them the space and say, okay, fine, you do this. What would you like to see? Um, you do this interview. You know, so we're, we're discussing education, the, the, the missing black curriculum. And I was like, I'm out of the school system. Right. So talk to kids at junior high, talk to kids in high school, talk to kids in university and get their, their viewpoints, but my viewpoint doesn't represent them. And so that's how we're doing, we're, we're doing this and trying to do it right. Do you find that is harder work in your respective areas, as in your geographical areas? I think it's new, Kathleen, is what it is. I just came out of a meeting coming to this, and it's meant, it's a meeting meant for, to talk about youth collective. We made sure, because we do have the Ubuntu Youth Council, that the co-chairs of the Youth Council were there, and I introduced myself, I'm here to support the co-chairs and that's the only capacity I'm sitting in we talk about the these are our youth are our future leaders they're the leaders of now we need to be working and we need to be supporting them for now so then they have these skills as they grow up so at Ubuntu we're so mindful of that myself and Jalitha we give them the space we pass the mic and we're saying we are your trampoline you bounce (laughs) off of us you tell us what you need um, and what is it that you would want to, the change that you want to see in the community, and we will make that happen. So that looks like looking for money. That looks like connecting them to the networks that we are already connected to. And like Jalita said, when the media wants to talk about certain things, these are your people, and this yeah. is who you need to be talking to. But like I do a whole think, database. Yeah, I That's think it's right. hard, though, for Central Alberta, just because it's Central Alberta. <laughs> 
And I say that with a lot of love, but it's like, I don't know how much more we can just depend on Edmonton on, Cal on Calgary. Because even if you, if we're discussing politics, right? Like so far, a lot of the politicians in central Alberta has been quiet on all of these conversations and all of these conversations. Whereas Edmonton and Calgary, they're having town halls, they're having discussions, that they, they, they've opened that, um, that space. We still don't have that. And so they'll say, well, send us an email. Or, you know, and, and, and so we're sitting and we have then to create that. So we have to host the webinars, we have to send the emails, we have to connect with people. So all of the work sort of falls on our shoulders and we don't have the resources that Edmonton and Calgary has. We don't have the personnel that they have. We don't have access that they have. And so that's what I want to see change because I'm like, it's 2021. Why don't we have the same access that they do? So even proclamations for Black History Month, something that's almost a given here, you have to reach out and you have to say, can you please do this? And this is why. So things so, like that is difficult. Do you think that's the result of um, this province-wide perception that our smaller areas and rural areas are 99% white? And so things like that don't matter? Or do you think it's just part of um, the systemic racism paradigm? Or is it an urban, urban versus rural access thing or is it a combination of all of it like what I, I, I think it's a combination and I, also I would say check mark to all of yeah. them yeah. yeah and I also yeah. think yeah. that people take yeah. central Alberta for granted and yeah. that it's simply oil and gas and farming but when we host events people show up people are willing to have conversations they want to be a part of and they want to engage but leadership seems to think that it's still the 1900s um <laughs> And, and they're so, out of town. And they're out of these town. These people that are showing up and creating all this, you know, noise in our town. Oh, no, we don't need to worry about them because we're talking about politics now. Yeah. They're not part of our community. Yeah. So yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. That's, and that's the difficult part. It's like I've had more conversation with people, with leadership from Edmonton and Calgary mm -hmm. than I have had here. I have had more conversations with people from parties that do not represent central Alberta than I have here. And I'm like, that is not how it's supposed to be done. And yeah. of course, when you add the Bible belt, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. And, and I'll just add, we, we, we call in our leaders in the community on, on certain issues in a gentle way. And sometimes in a way as in, hey, are you, do you really know what's happening in your community? You need to speak up. There's time for leadership to speak up as a collective. Um, when you, Kathleen, say, well, is this the perception of rural? That's because that perception has been created. So yeah. now you have two individuals and we've always been here. Yeah. We've never gone anywhere. Yeah. Now we're just calling them out at times and saying, you really need to take a stand because you are chosen into these positions by the people of your community. And I am your community. And this yeah. is what your community also looks like. And they, they also don't seem to think, they don't give Central Albertans the benefit of the doubt. No. So to them, they're like, oh, they don't care about these things. I'm like, yeah, they do because we're talking to them. If you were talking to them, you would hear it too. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's very apparent because we don't hear about it in the urban 
centers. Yeah. You know, we don't hear anything about what's happening in central Alberta or some, some smaller communities. There was, there was just this week, there was a a Canada wide organization, a Canadian organization that was honoring um, young people that have been doing amazing work from such, I think it's like top 30 under 30 um, in sustainable development. And there was no one there from central Alberta, not one. That's not okay. one person. And Central Alberta is a pretty big region. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of land between Edmonton yeah. and Calgary. Calgary. I know because I've driven through it a few times. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, that land. Yeah. And there's not one, like not <laughs> one person from yeah, that region. And so we emailed and said, hey, we would like to have a conversation. Can we be a part of this, um, of your bigger organization? We have amazing young people here. But again, it speaks back to leadership. It speaks back to accessibility, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to, to an extent and creating that tone. Like no one is saying, what about Central Alberta? So mm-hmm. a lot of times when we show up, when Sadia and I show up to meetings, we're like, so we're the new kids. Can we sit with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Calgary. <laughs> oh, hey, Edmonton. Like, you know. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and then sorry, just to say, you know, we there's always discussions of representation, right? And it's been repeated over and over again. And and the solution to that, it's been uh, support and promote and create what we want to see in these leadership roles, just like we're holding right now. So uh, that has been identified. And now we're going to come in and say, you know what, this is the solution. This is what it looks like. Yeah. And, and local government um, elections are coming up. And I yeah. think I've, I'm sensing that there's going to be a shift. Like so much more people have emailed me and texted me and say, hey, we've heard your voice. So we've decided we're going to, to, to try this thing out. Like even if we don't make a big splash, but we're going to put our name for And I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Because they're like, you know, you got out there and you told them. So I can do it too in that sense of just being Putting, put, putting themselves forward and saying, okay, I have something to offer. So that's amazing news. So I hope that it continues. Yeah. And hopefully well, it, there's change. It inspires others too, yes. right? Yeah. Like yeah. You yeah. have to see someone do it yeah. to feel like maybe you can do it too. Yeah. 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 And, and, and to support those the people, right? It, it's not easy. It's not generational where so-and-so's parent yeah. was already yeah. into politics, you know, um, it, it's hard work. It, it requires yeah. a lot of work and, and putting yourself out there that's on that platform also has so many intricacies and things that you have to be mindful of that you will receive just because the way you look and the, yeah. and who you are as a person as well. We've been speaking to quite a few people and I hope that, that they know that we're there to encourage them and support them. Like in the words of Issa Rae, you know, I, as a black woman, I'm rooting for anybody black. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> unfortunately, that's what you have to do, right? Like just to yeah. show up to give them that support and that boost. And then, and, and then it continues. So I'm, I'm just here rooting for anybody black this year. Well, and, and I'm going to say too. Oh. And brown. Yes, and, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's something that I've heard people say before that some of these groups try to get more women to run end up leaving them on their own for the time that they actually, right? They finally do. They put their name for it and then nothing. (laughs) There's nothing there. And so I think that part of your 
platform too that says, you know, it's not just it's not just about putting you out there, it's standing beside you is just so important because because that is the that's the part that that people really need. Like, yes, you know, the encouragement to do it in the first place. Yeah, of course. Yes, yes, you need to be there. But somebody needs to stand beside you when when you are finally out there on your own. Yeah. And, <laughs> you don't want to be on you, your own. Yeah, and, and I no. think that's that's the other thing because sometimes people will be like, we're looking for more representation. We're looking for more women. We're and then you you show up and they're not welcoming, yeah. first of oh, all. No. And then they create all of these barriers and you have to jump through so many hoops that you get tired and they continue to be the gatekeepers. Yeah, right? and then we... So, yeah. We have yeah. to deal with that meritocracy uh, rhetoric too. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Not to derail, derail this conversation. Derail. But sorry. Derail. See, my accent is coming out. <laughs> I know. And it's, all, it's only three o'clock. But on you a know, Friday. That's, that's on a Friday, but that's the reality from a personal experience, right? Um, me going through that right now, there's a lot of. Um, this is what you need to do, but not solutions attached to it, right? So when someone, uh, you know, wants to put their name in the hat, uh, there's a lot of, yes, we will support you. And this is what it looks like. But like you said, Deirdre, um, then you're left alone when you actually need people as well. Or they tell you that you have to do it their way. This is the yeah. way I've always done yeah. it. So this is the way. So this- what they're really trying to do is put you in a box. And this is... But the thing is, no, um, this is who we are as individual. And this is the way that I'm going to do it. So yeah, do it this way. This has been successful, but that success is not the same for everyone. And even, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Kathleen. That's really about packaging you for a market too. They did the same. That's really what it's about, right? When we were starting Ubuntu and we had this idea and we were like, okay, we're going to be engaging we're going to be welcoming we're we're going to you know this is our we want our personality to flow through our organization we put smiley faces and emojis in our emails and so many people are like no that's not how it's done why isn't it and we're like but this is who we are (laughs) it is now yeah Yeah. this is how we're this is how we're going to do it yeah and even our pictures so we were taking pictures and all of the poses were very you know, corporate and, and black and white or dark. And we were like, nope, we're going to wear yellow and blue and red. <laughs> like, you know, so it's, it's we yeah. weren't, we're, we can't be packaged. Which is good. We need more of that for all women, yeah. really. All yes. women. Stop packaging yeah. us. Yeah. Stop marketing us. Stop trying to capitalize on our womanhood. Yeah. And just hear what we're trying to say and what we're trying to do. And especially yep. for women of color, you're already going to be stereotyped, oh, right? They already want to <laughs> stereotype you. And then they think the stereotype is the way to sell you. No, and trying to put you in a box right away. So where are you from? Ask me something else. <laughs> I love your scarf today, Sadia. You know what? I love the glasses you're wearing today so let's have that conversation because really when we get those questions asked you're trying to put us somewhere right and and stereotype us right off the bat and it's it's them trying to like the disconnect almost like it always tells me that I don't belong here like when someone Mm -hmm. depending on who the person is right like when they say where are you from it's either they're trying to make a connection because black people do it and they're trying to make who's your family 
because we're connected, right? Like right. we have to be family. And then when other people do it, it's like, you don't look like you belong here. So I want to know how you got here. Well, that just, that just really struck me, you know, that that's something I've never, I've never been asked and I've never had to answer. Yeah. Like no one asks me, where are you from? Unless uh, if I, I say, of... I, if I say, you know, that I've not lived in Alberta all my yeah. life. Right. Well, where are you from? Then right. it's just a, a natural part of the conversation. conversation. But no one asks me that right off the bat as a qualifier for my opinions or positions. We were at, we were at uh, at a restaurant that shall yeah. not be named. So we're here enjoying happy hour. After a long day, we're, we're we're enjoying our you know our food or trying to, and the server asked, "Where are you from?" Didn't ask anyone else like that. It wasn't. It's not as if we said, you know, it's nice out today when it was minus fifty or something, and them saying, "Oh, where where?" You? No, it was like straight out of the blue. Where are you from? That immediately makes you an outsider. Well, absolutely. And like Chalitha said, what space we're in, I get that asked. My children get that asked. And, and you know, for me, I'm like, well, my roots are from, right? So um, some days, if I get that same question asked four times and I'm trying to enjoy my happy hour, you are not going to get that answer from me, right? It's like, I'm too busy, to, you know, eating my food right now. And in and, and some space, it's like, yeah, my roots are from, let's have that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. So for us, um, almost on daily basis, it's like, okay, what will this conversation look like? And mentally, I'm assessing what my answer will look like as well. Not asked where I'm from, but who's your father that actually really got me yeah it was it was uh it was it was the father of of a guy that I was dating who's who's your father do I know your father and I was just like okay weird question is that a small town thing or (laughs) what is that it might be a small town thing because everyone knows each other but yeah I was just kind of like I was I was I found that kind of offensive. Like, what does it matter who my yeah. family is? Because I'm standing right in front of you. Yeah. How about, you know, ask me who about, I am? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who it's, my it's, father is. It says so many different things. And depending yeah. on the day, like I get asked who you're from when I'm in the bank, at the grocery store, at a hockey game. Because I have a hockey mouth. Like, I'm a hockey person. Like, <laughs> I heckle, okay? And... And people would say, well, where are you from? And I would give some weird, like, stony, I don't know, um, porcupine plain Saskatchewan. <laughs> the, and they're like, what? I'm like, yep. And they're like, really? Yep. I'm sticking with that. Like, what, what do you want me to say? That's great. <laughs> like, or they'll say, where are you from? And I'll say, Uzbekistan. Like something and and because it it catches them off guard because, you know, it's not to make conversation. It's not to get to know me. It's to it's to remind me that I'm not in my place. It's a putting you in your place question. It's uh, it can. Yeah. Oh, the other one I get that's bad, too, is how did you get here? What is that? I don't I, understand that question. How did you get here? I don't I know. Think I've, I've heard. I've heard people. I've heard people yeah. say that. And yeah, comedian bits. I think I came via Uber. I yeah. mean, how do you even answer that question? The bus. I don't know. Seventy-two. 
Route number 16. <laughs> I get, I like, I get that so often, but yeah. that one where, um, how did you get here is usually older folks. Do you know what they're referring to? Like, have you found out? I think, is there because, a thread because, of? So I'm, I'm at a lot of events where I'm the only person of color. Yeah. Like junior B hockey, some small town, like three hills or Troshu or whatever. The right? circuit. Yep. Yeah. Or I'm <laughs> at rodeo at the rodeo. And so they're, they're trying to make conversation, but because right. they haven't seen someone who looked like me in this space, it's like, okay, how did you, how, because they really want to say, why are you here? But don't want to be rude. And so how did you get here is like, because they're thinking that this is a, a new Canadian experience, right? Because Canada does that for new immigrants that they will take them oh. to like a hockey game, rodeo, the skating rink or whatever. Mm. And so I'm like a car. I oh, got here God. in a car, you know, or something. That really reminds me um, of, and Deirdre and I were discussing this yesterday. I've been reading Rebecca Carroll's book, Surviving the White Gaze, which is her memoir about growing up as literally the only black person in her community because she was adopted by yep. white parents yep. and not only the assumptions that that white people made about her but that isolation and that loneliness of being not just the only black kid at school or being the only black kid in a family of yep. white people but being the only black person in an entire community, community. yeah and how visible that made her in all the wrong ways yep. because of the assumptions people would make about her. It's, it's quite, so I, I have a Canadian family that we're, you know, we're all together. And so I, people will say, you know, how many siblings that you have? And I'm like, well, there's 10 of us. I went for a flu shot two years ago, I think, two years ago. And um, the nurse, she was so sweet. So she's like, I, I said to her, my sister was here. My, my sister was mm -hmm. here like 10 minutes ago. And she was like, oh, I saw her. And the little kids, they had the cutest Afro. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I, saw, I saw them with the, with the biggest Afro. And they were so cute. And I was like, that's not my sister. And they just like, assumed. Yeah. And yes. she's like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, no, no. That's her. I'm like, nope. So I pulled out my phone. <laughs> and you had to sister. prove that it was oh my and it's 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 you know she has blonde hair and blue eyes and my little nephew was like the little blonde this thing and she's like I'm so sorry I was like no it's okay because I've been in stores too where my sister would walk in and she's like and someone say who are you looking for and they'll say um and she'll say I'm looking for my sister and they'll be like nope there's only one other lady here. And she's like, yeah, that's my sister. Right. It's that. So I think we're getting really near the end of our time here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I'm wondering if each of you would like to leave our audience with something that you hope they'll learn as individuals. Like if you can maybe prod them in a direction that will help their growth and their level of understanding. Thank you both so much. This Thank has been you. marvelous. 
And I'm really, I'm, I feel so honored that you spent this time with us. I really oh, no. do. The feeling is mutual. I love you on Twitter. Thank Every you. Every time you tweet, I'm like, she's such a badass. 